one. Hi, welcome. Hey. Good morning, how are you? I'm excellent. Where's okay. the babe? That's my first thing I'm always curious <laughs> right? about. So, mom has two out an hour to themselves. That's exactly what it is. I had my husband take her for, he's like, okay, I can have her for this little chunk. And I'm like, okay, her schedule is this. So I'm ready at this time. Go. Where's yours? We started daycare last week. Oh, how is it? It's good. It's good. It's a whole other thing we could talk about when we get to this. When we get there. Yeah. So I want to back up for anyone that doesn't know you. This is Cassidy. You are based in Florida um, and you are, or you were, and maybe we'll go back to being a professional OCR racer. Yes, we could say that. Uh, Okay. And you do the programming. You, okay. We'll see. Well, and you program. You're the head programmer for the Epic Interval Training, um, which you'll tell us more about once we get there. And you are a new, bam, badass mom. Yes. So tell us, you became a mother when? Okay, so um, I became a mom five months ago. Jax B. Jade Nicholas came into my life. So basically, I guess we start at preconception. (laughs) Okay, let's let's go there. Yeah, so... um, Cause it's, it's interesting to me and I would love to hear your story and all this maybe another time, but, um, yes, I was planning to have a kid, but I was also shocked and surprised. So I was an athlete, like you said, uh, working out very intensely my whole life. I, I think it's important to mention, like I never had a regular period. I think this is the kind of stuff that like doesn't get talked about that needs to get talked about. 100%. Um, it's so important when you're trying to have a kid and it's so important, even if you're not trying to have a kid, I think, um, I had a, I have a friend who is, I can't remember which friend, but who is a, an athlete her whole life. And she said that, you know, among her team, it was like a point of pride to like lose your period. Cause like you're working out that hard. And like, I, I didn't consider it a point of pride, but it's like, Oh, it's normal. Like it happens to everyone and it's not normal. <laughs> and it's like the most important system that happens in our body. And I just posted on my story last night, a little, I got a, like a thermal, um, a temperature reader. Like basically it's going to, I'm going to learn my cycle now, finally, Good, at 31 Amazing. starting this morning. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's just such an important system. So I was training really intensely, and I got really bad fatigue. Like, um, just if I worked out hard, I'd be, like, down for the count for, like, three days. Like, I couldn't do anything. So I was trying to figure that out. For a year's time, I went to so many doctors. This is still – there's no answer, by the way. So that's that's the end of the story. I never really figured it out. <laughs> But in trying to figure it out, going to the doctors, getting all the blood work, uh, getting off birth control so I could try to, like, regulate and find my my normal mm-hmm. cycle or whatever. Um, I think that that was a blessing in disguise because that prepared me to get pregnant. Because who knows if I would have even been able to get pregnant without that year off birth control, toning it down the workouts, yep. not going um, as intensely. Because I couldn't. I physically couldn't go hard in the paint. I could go, like very light in the paint. How long Uh, were you on birth control for? Not, let's see, probably since I was 22 and I'm 31 and then I got off of it, you know, maybe 28. Six years or something. Yeah. It's crazy because I was on it half my life. Like I got on it as soon as I turned 16 and then I was on it 
same, I'm 31 until I was, I think right after we got married, I got off it. So I was on it for like 14 years or something crazy. And at one point, someone said, well, do you cycle? And I was like, what does that even, like, I never even heard of you're supposed to cycle birth control. Like, your doctors don't tell you that. Like, it's insane how much is just lacking for, it's like, we're supposed to ask questions, but if we don't know, how do we know to ask? Yeah. It's just such an old thing that is like, and you trust, everyone tends to automatically trust doctors. And a lot of doctors believe very different things. If you went to a different doctor, he or she might've told you something totally different. So you can't really take a doctor at their word. Especially you for own. an athlete. Because doctors really, like when I, throughout my entire pregnancy, I asked my OB questions and she, no, nothing against her. She just didn't know. Like she didn't know any yeah. of the, and she kept saying, you know, you obviously know your body because same, like, you know, we work out, we're intense, whatever. But when you know your body, I think that obviously it makes it much, a much easier process because if something's off, you know, you're off. Totally. But when people don't know, or women don't know their bodies, it makes it really challenging because you ask a doctor and you hope that they know, but like my OB, she never was pregnant. She never had a baby. So she oh, wow. really, yeah, so she couldn't, she hadn't been through it. So how much could she really know besides textbook? Yeah. That's why I'm a little skeptical of, of male. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that was my experience with like not understanding not only women, but athletes in my journey to try to figure out my fatigue. Cause I was fairly certain I had adrenal fatigue. I still think that's what it is. But, um, I tried every doctor I went to trust. I went to all the doctors, you know, started obviously with a general practitioner. I went to an endocrinologist, immunologist, like, um, infectious disease doctors, like so many wow. things. It's a really long story, but, um, and every single one I went to, I was like, I work out like really hard. Like I, this I'm an your job. This is your profession. Like, oh yeah. No one took that really into consideration or took me seriously. I didn't feel like, so anyway, um, getting slowing down and getting off birth control, I think prepared me to get pregnant. And it also coincided with me starting to be ready to have a baby and start family. So, um, that year that I was off birth control, again, this is probably TMI for the general public, but the things that need to be said, yeah, of course. or uh, it was pulling out. Like that was our, our method because right. I, I went to a doctor, um, to uh, an OB to figure out, okay, what am I gonna do now for um, contraception? Like I, I thought about the IUD, I'm like, what is this thing, <laughs> IUD or whatever, and I, I almost went through with it and I was like, said to Alex, I was like, I just don't really want anything in my body. Like hundred percent with the most natural process known to humankind. So he's like, then just don't. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so like, we're married. Like if it, if we have a baby, it's not the biggest deal, but it really worked for, <laughs> I don't want to like, <laughs> totally like prescribe pulling out for people that don't want to be. No, but it, I think it does also same for us. <laughs> Yeah, we did it for over a year, and then as soon as we decided to stop, I mean, as soon as we decided, <laughs> one day I was like, I think I'm ready, because we had planned for a certain date, and I'm like, you know, I don't think I want to wait that long, and that was it, and then it was like, boom, and I didn't expect it. The problem is, I didn't think it would be that easy to get pregnant. I was like, we've only been doing pulling out for over a year. Like, surely I'm a, I am have a flawed body from 
all the athletics and it's going to be hard for me to get pregnant. That was the story I had in my head with no, I don't know why. That's just the story I had in my head. But what I think I, and I don't know your nutrition, but you are probably eating well. Your nutrition was right. And a lot of females that I've seen when they've deprived their body, that's where the issue is because there's such a problem with nutrition. People don't realize that it's truly food and what you put in and if you are to and it gives me goosebumps because it's like if you take care of your body and it's the same like you're ripped you know you have the abs you have and but if you're eating properly and you're not depriving I don't think I mean I don't think I think it's much less likely to be an issue I know I, I'm so fired up like you like we can go off on this topic too <laughs> yes I believe I have muscles but what I cannot get people to understand is I have those muscles and I have abs because I eat a lot Baby, you can't yes muscles. you can't build the muscles by depriving your body of food 100% now of course the leanness is a different thing honestly Sometimes I think the, my abs are like a, a curse because people have this conception about me that I maybe like diet or try really hard, but I, I, over many years of trying all the diets and depriving and paleo and this and that, I finally come into like intuitive eating and knowing what to eat and just eating whatever I want, no restriction ever, ever, ever. Yes. Same. And um, so, but people by seeing me probably think that it takes like some magical recipe or some discipline. You know, they think, oh, I must be really disciplined. Like, I can't do that. It's She's the really fitness disciplined. discipline, the consistency, but the eating, give your body what it wants. Yeah. Yeah. Both. And it's also not like I'm the fit, like fitness discipline. I mean, now is a different story, but it's not like I'm like grinding for two hours a day. It's like I'm like a 30 minute worker out or a day and, and eat wherever I am in my life. Right. So, well, that's exciting. I'm happy to hear that it was easy. Yes. So then I got pregnant and I didn't know for eight weeks because I didn't know it would be that easy. And, um, I really enjoyed my pregnancy. I, um, I, I guess I was just really ready and I don't know how it happened because, you know, you're in your 20s and you're like, yeah, I like the idea of having a baby. But I don't know when it, it, sh- it just shifted for me. I think I think a huge part of it was coming off of athletics, trying to fix my body, pulling back, making those things not so important to me. I had to focus on other things and, like, find myself and, like, find purpose in other things rather than, um, like, crushing myself in the gym or going after a next competition. So I was really ready for that. Everyone's like, you miss this? Do you miss that? I'm like, no, I don't. But hold on, before we go further, because I do want to keep going after this, I don't know if everyone listening will understand the magnitude of your extreme athletics. So tell the things you've won and all the cool achievements that you've... Okay, let me get out the book. (laughs) Um, So... I started obstacle course racing in 2013. I just went to a Spartan race like anybody else could sign up, and I did pretty well. And so, so 2013, long story short, that started like I, I did well. So I kept doing that. I was on the Spartan race pro team for a few years. I specialized in stadium races, so the short explosive stuff. I did everything. Like I did the five-hour mountain races, but I really ended up honing in on the short stuff. And then later years, there's more short races came out, like Tough Mudder X, um, 
before that, it's actually Steve Austin's Broken Skull Challenge on CMT. That was my probably biggest claim to fame and definitely what made me the most money in all of it. So <laughs> that was a show on CMT that's now canceled Bummer. that had to do with um, head-to-head fitness, like fitness uh, mini events that so you go head-to-head tournament style. And then if you win that tournament, you get to do this obstacle course race and try to beat the overall female champion's time. So I beat the champion's time, I became the champion, and then I stayed champion for eight episodes. Oh, wow. Uh, and then Corinna Coffin bumped me out the last episode, and then they canceled the show. So I'm still the longest <laughs> reigning champion. Uh, so yeah, there was that. And then after, after Broken Skull, there was um, Tough Mudder X, what other things were there that were like short races? I w- I got pregnant during the High Rocks thing. But anyway, you yeah, lots any, of anything while you were pregnant. No, you're like not a chance. <laughs> no, not a chance. Um, yeah, so lots of po- like I mean I don't know I think go thirty ish Spartan elite podiums and and the Broken Skull is probably my biggest Amazing. claim. Okay, so now your new achievement, your little baby. Um, yes. So, got pregnant, then what? So, a pregnancy was really fun. Like I said, I, love, I ended up, um, my only problem was I had a pubis diastasis, which is basically like a separation, like your pubic bone comes together like this, and mine had like too much relaxin in it, and it started like just, it was really loosey-goosey, and it caused a lot of pain. So, ironically, the only thing that bothered me, the biggest thing that bothered me was walking. Um, obviously running would be out too, but I don't really like to run anyway, but walking would bother me where anything where I was planted on two feet, squats, deadlifts, swings, I could do. So I could do a lot of fitness, which I did. Um, but I couldn't like go for walks, which was kind of a bummer, but I'll take it. Yeah. Um, that actually started. And I'm always curious if this would have happened if I didn't do this. So in October, I got pregnant in June In October, I went on a cruise with my friends and family for like Alex and I eloped so we did like a wedding cruise and it ended up being like a gender reveal cruise too and he him me him and my his brother entered a three a three on three basketball tournament on the cruise and I'm like three or three months pregnant four yeah um and I was like, I'm fine. Like everyone was worried about me. It's like, I'm not going to like lay out on the floor. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just play. it's right. fine. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, you know, they let me play. They weren't going to like stop me anyway. Um, but the next day I was like, I, or in the middle of the night, I got up to pee and I couldn't walk. Like I had to crawl to the bathroom because this, I think I like, it was just so much agility while the relaxing, while the hormones were all starting in that area, loosening things up all that agility and cutting that I was doing that day really like screwed me. So I always wonder if that would have happened or if I just like jump started it. But anyway, that was my only issue. And did you do anything to combat it or you just avoided the unilateral? Honestly, I just avoided those things. What did I do? Oh, I went to, I did chiropractic and that helped a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So keep going. So I guess the next thing would be like my journey or my decision to do a home birth. So my, I'm the youngest of four kids. My sister had, um, has four kids. She did two home births, her second two, my sister-in-law did home births. So I was very familiar, but I was like, you know, I don't have a particular desire to do a home birth. So I was like, you know, probably just do a hospital birth. I just don't have 
a desire and you have to like want to do it. Right. But the more I started reading, I got myself a coach. Uh, she was a, she's a doula. Her name is Emily Steinwick. She's a birth fit coach, a doula and a coach at Deuce gym. I don't know if you're familiar with any of those things, but she's in California. Okay. Um, and she actually approached me. I'm just, you know, um, friends slash acquaintances with her from when I was living in California and she had reached out to me actually before I was pregnant and said like she does this kind of coaching and even if you're preconception and it's funny she reached out to me because three weeks later I found out I was pregnant I found out I was pregnant when she called me the first time anyway I did weekly calls with her and that was great so I like a huge piece of advice that I give people is to hire a coach in things that you are not an expert in so yes I um an expert, I would say, in fitness and in coaching, but I'm not an expert in in pregnancy and in birth advice. That's why, like, on Instagram and stuff, some people will say, like, oh, you should do, like, a, a pregnancy program or whatever. I'd be like, you know, maybe second or third baby, but, like, I'm the student here. Like, I'm not going to give anybody advice yet. I'm, like, going through this right now. So it was really nice to have her to answer all my questions. We talked a lot about where I was at emotionally to get ready for this baby. So that was really helpful. I would really suggest getting a coach. And that was pre-COVID. That was right before COVID. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was probably um, December or January when I did that. Maybe even earlier. I don't know. But it was before COVID, yeah. So I did that. Through talking to her, she did a home birth, so she was very much not, like, trying to convince me at all. She was very much, like, the birth for you is the one that you're comfortable with, you know, the one that you want to do. But it was mainly this book I read that my sister recommended to me, and I'm going to forget the name. Um, Oh, Birthing from Within. That's kind of what did it for me. And ultimately what made me decide to have a home birth was again this is pre-covid i didn't know about covid um i just wanted uh, what i started to believe or realize is that birthing is a completely natural thing that women have been doing billions and billions of years and i'm capable of it and it's fine and i want to be in an environment where I let that natural process happen, I don't want to be with the lights and the people and the beeping and I like mess up my like flow. Like there's so many things that can not, not will can interfere with that process. And I made a decision that I did want to do it. I did prefer to do it naturally without drugs. And, um, I knew that if they were there, I'd probably take them, which I don't blame anybody who does that. I, I did, 100% would have taken them if I was in that situation. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, for me, I just something I started to really believe that I wanted to do. I'm like, I just, I want to be in my home. I want to have control over my environment so I can let this thing progress naturally. That's ultimately why I decided to do it. Uh, my husband wasn't as on board. He was supportive because I was into it. But like every particularly male, like safety, control, wanting to, you know, and a lot of people are just like, well, why? Even if there's that little chance that something could go wrong, well, why? Um, and if you research it more, I mean, back then I had all the, the stats in my head. I don't have them now. It's actually not more dangerous than a hospital birth statistically. Actually, it's less. There's less instances of bad things going wrong in a, at home. So that's what I decided. And then 
she was born in March. So COVID was starting, you know, what was it? February, yeah. uh, February and March, literally the week before she was born was like, uh, things were shut down and it was like a stay at home order. The quarantine lockdown. Yeah. Uh, we had a gym in Miami at the time and I was working and up until we were allowed to, uh, stay open and coaching and stuff like that. And then, yeah, I had her at home. What's where, where do you want me to go next? <laughs> just had her at home. <laughs> no big deal. She just, you know, well, you had a long labor. How was it? Um, it wasn't terribly long. It was terrible, but it wasn't terribly long. <laughs> okay. um, I would say labor was like 12 hours and like, I would say three hours of that was like extremely minor. Three hours of that was manageable and six hours of that was thousand times worse than anything I could have ever imagined. So you're a former professional athlete. You put your body through hell. This tops it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I truly did think I'm kind of like embarrassed to admit. I thought like, I don't know, like maybe women think this is a big deal because women don't generally like put themselves through a lot of pain, but I put myself through a lot of pain. Like I'm, I'm not, I didn't say that out loud like before, but or maybe I said it to like Alex or something. And I was like, I'm just so curious, like what this feels like. Nope, I was wrong. It feels like it's excruciating. It's the worst. It's it's horrible. Um, but yeah, the, the birth was. I it was like during the night, basically. So basically from like midnight and then 9 a.m. She was born. Like I said, from like 3 a.m. on, it was just terrible. But everything went pretty textbook right I progressed normally I was able to like um, labor in my living room most of the time and then I moved a little bit to a toilet because you know that you start feeling that pushing it helps to like feed it on and like feel those muscles that you would do on the toilet which I I learned obviously through this process and then went in the shower and ended up birthing her in the shower probably pushed for like an hour Um, and the only thing that didn't go like amazing is that I tore really bad like um and I thought that I I really didn't think that I would because I pushed for an hour there was like several pushes where her head was visible but she wasn't going anywhere so I would have thought that it was like stretching enough yeah that I wouldn't tear but I tore really bad I had like three different little spots and um again I know you want us to talk about yeah, things that yeah. people don't normally talk about so I had like a labial tear which is like up, t- up top which is fairly rare I was just saying I feel like I've never heard of that yeah and it was not it was not fun and it was probably the not the worst part but another another horrible part was I mean I was stitched up by my midwife on my bed um obviously they have like lidocaine like number but that's it and um that was pretty not fun either um so yeah that didn't that wasn't ideal but come to now like i'm fine i fully healed it was okay your healing process was how was that and how long was it before you felt like i don't know if we ever really feel back to ourselves i think that you could feel stronger or better or like a new version of yourself but so you're talking about more holistically, not like straight up my vagina healing. Yeah, no. How long did it take for your vagina to heal? Okay, so I, it was really gradual. I, I stayed I stayed upstairs in my bed. I didn't go down the stairs for four days. I stayed in bed. I only went from the bathroom to the bed. 
Um, I scooted down the stairs, I think on day four, and started going downstairs once a day and up once a day at the end of the day for like the rest of the week. And then I tried to, I remember trying to do some movement at like three weeks and then it not feeling great. I'm talking about like a little bit of air squats and, and like dead bugs and cat cow, but like also like a little bit of air squats, testing out like a, a knee plank. And I ended up pulling back. So it was like, I had things feel like kind of loose down there. I don't want to like jump the gun. So I probably pulled back for a couple weeks. And I would say around six weeks, I started feeling okay to where I was doing body weight workouts, but you know, nothing jumping at all. No impact, yeah. Then to the floor. Um, around five weeks, I started the birth fit postpartum course it's a four-week course and it gives you something to do every day and it's great it's all about rehab pelvic floor this type of stuff yeah and then um from there i was doing like i said about six weeks you know a couple weeks after the birth fit um a couple weeks into it i started implementing a couple of epic workouts um just body weight and completely uh like level one and then Building from there, adding weight maybe at eight weeks, and then it was just gradual. So um, I would say it took nine weeks to heal my vagina. It's weird, right? Because so we spoke. Uh, I had my little one in, the end, in April 18th. So we spoke, I think, in the end of March or beginning of April before, and I was asking about the at-home birth because when I had mine, it was mid quarantine. Like it was even, um, I remember they, people were saying your husband's not going to be able to go with you to the hospital, all this, which is why I reached out and I said, Hey, tell me what you think about that home birth, blah, blah, blah. Um, fast forward, I ended up having her in the hospital and I ended up having an episiotomy. I don't, we never talked about this, but they cut from your butt to your vagina. So they cut all the way through. And I think what happened is that my delivery doctor, who wasn't my OB, I ended up having a man, and I never met him, which was a whole nother thing. Um, I don't know how that even happens, but um, it's weird because I think that he just did that. Like, the midwives, they deliver, they're, they're holistic, this is what they do. Or some doctors specialize in C-sections, or I'm pretty sure that the doctor I had, that's just what he did, if that makes sense. And I yeah. don't know, but I'm pretty positive that that's like a typical procedure when it comes to doctors, because he's been doing it for, I think he said 37 or 38 years. He's been doing it forever. And it's like every woman that comes in, he just snips through because I went remember pushing. I went, what's that? You remember having a choice? That's the thing. I didn't like, I, I remember everything. And I remember him like grabbing the shears and my husband was behind me and he was like, uh, because I, I made it very clear. I wanted to try to just push. I didn't want to be cut. Like I wanted to do it as natural as possible in the hospital in case something happened, but it was just, and I remember there were, there were, uh, we did a countdown of 10 pushes and we did probably like seven or eight rounds and then it was just snip. And then there she was. And I remember he like pulled her out and it was like pulling out. Literally, I remember the umbilical cord. Like I remember feeling that like her being pulled out. 
and it was like he was holding a chicken. Like it was, and it's, it's fine. Like thankfully everything is normal down there or even tighter because I think that here, especially they, they do an extra stitch for the husband is what they call it. Like as a joke. And, um, so yeah, that it was very interesting because I, I didn't even know what that was like me being so naive and saying, okay, I want to just, you know, do it as natural as possible. I don't want there to be so much interference. And then all the way through, I don't even know how many stitches that is, but for those who don't know, they cut you from your butthole to your vagina. However much, how long that is for everyone is different, I'm sure. But um, no, it's crazy because I feel like whatever it is, you just have to go with the flow. Unless you have a C-section, you have a plan, this is what's happening. But the reality is if the baby come, decides to come before that is scheduled, you know, you just, you got to go with whatever happens. There's no, yes, it's in your control, but it's not. They're already making decisions when they're that young. So I guess, you know, get ready for it. As they grow older, they're going to make their own decisions. <laughs> right. So right. you, um, the healing, oh, so the healing process. Um, similar, I think it was the first two weeks were miserable because I had a really bad, um, bleeding and so my hemorrhaging was really bad for the first like in the hospital I stayed 24 hours I was in and out which was awesome the hospital experience was super easy um we didn't see one other patient and when we went in we were kind of under the notion of COVID quarantine hospitals there's going to be dead people all over and you know ha the stretchers and everything it was amazing which I'm grateful and happy that it, that was very simple. We only saw nurses and doctors. Um, but the healing process, 100%, I agree, is way worse than the actual pregnancy. Like, a lot of people I remember saying, oh, you're almost there, you're almost at the finish line, and it's like, no. You're just getting started once you have that baby. Like, the finish line is not the delivery. The delivery is just the starting point. Yeah, for sure. And that's a huge reason why, again, my whole leading up to getting pregnant, that's why I mentioned that whole year plus of me pulling back and this and that and being so ready for that, especially as an athlete. Like I had really let go of not caring about those things because you can't, um, you do have to let go because it, it's, it takes time. And if you're always worrying about like, getting back to anything so i was actually very just relaxed about the only reason i started moving at three weeks and then pulled back is just because honestly out of like boredom <laughs> so i was laying around so much i wanted to move a little bit um but i was very laid back about the whole thing i was not wanting to rush i was really trying to just live up snuggling my little baby and um that helped a lot I mean, still to this day, everything has been very incremental to get me to where I am, which is, I, I would say I could do pretty much everything um, the way I could before I was pregnant. Good. Um, so now, and you're, are you nursing still? <clears throat> I am. How is that process? Um, it's good. It's funny. I've said this to my mom and a couple of people. I didn't realize how hard it was before till it's gotten a little bit easier. Like I look back and I'm talking not only nursing, breastfeeding, but also just like 
the whole thing, the baby, the sleeping, the crying. Like I, now that it's a little bit easier, it's still hard. I'm like, holy shit, that was hard. That was hard. Um, and my baby has, was like, I wouldn't say colicky, but, or I don't know, maybe I would like certain time at night had that witching hour, like unconsolable crying. We did have some, it was a struggle a little bit with breastfeeding of like figuring out like she would like be on and then pull off and she would only feed a couple minutes at a time and like figuring out feeling like is she getting enough food and eventually figuring out that I was basically like too full and then pumping before it's just it's a lot like and really you can read all the books and you can do all the things but it's just learning by doing and um, now I would say it's finally like actually pretty easy nursing. And like I said, she's in daycare now. So I just pump the hours that she would be eating. And so far it's working out. My production's good. I had a little freak out like a month or a month and a half ago. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not producing. Um, let me try, stop drinking coffee, have the teas and the stuff. But I think what happened was, um, my boobs just stopped being full. You know, there's a time where you just stop being full and your boobs go back to normal. And so I thought because they didn't have that full feeling that there wasn't milk, but I'm like, I feel like I'm fine now. So especially also since I've started working out a little bit more, I do want to be cognizant of that. Um, but I think, I think there was a little bit of like, okay, I, I note that if I go too hard in the paint, it's a little bit less milk, but I think I just have to balance, like you said, the nutrition and the water. I think a big reason exercise and a big reason coffee and alcohol are all bad. This is not anything I read. This is just something that I think. Well, you figured uh, it out. You've kind of lived through it. Yeah. The reason that those things, they say hurt your milk production, I think has a lot just to do with dehydration. So you have a cup of coffee for me, as long as I'm also chugging water. Same with the workout. I expend, I expel so much water and that's that's probably more of an issue than the actual workout is you need to stay super hydrated and be eating enough so i just got to make sure that i'm eating i eat in excess i would rather eat too much than too little of course then you could still produce yep but your i saw you the other day on instagram and you have your abs back you obviously have your definite your defined arms back and it's still it's possible to produce so I feel like that's a big, um, I mean, obviously it's different depending from person to person, but oh, there's this, I think, perception that you'll stop producing if your body looks a certain way. Like you have to have these big boobs, but it's not true because it's really about the fatty tissues that are just, it's not about the size of your boobs, it's how they produce the milk. Yeah. So it's good yeah. to see. It's interesting about like the abs and stuff. I don't have like the abs that I used to have, but I do have abs. And this is what I was saying before about how I almost, it's almost a curse because people think, have this perception that I try really hard or really disciplined. The reason I have abs, I believe right now is because I have so much background muscle. It's really hard to lose muscle and lose strength. It takes a long time. In fact, I'm, I did not lose almost any strength. I lost pull, pull-up strength because I haven't been near a pull-up bar, but like pressing overhead or deadlifting or I don't, I have lost almost no strength. And so those muscles never really went away. And I have ab muscles because I, like I said before, I've always 
um, had the strength and had the food to back it up and to build it. And so I'm not doing anything differently. In fact, I'm still not doing nearly as much as like I used to, or uh, even pre like preconception. I'm talking like back when I was an athlete. I'm not nowhere near working out as much. So it's not by any like crazy effort of dieting or trying I think that's what people are gonna think like oh like good job like you got your body back like it, first of all I honestly don't care people are like, oh, this is such bullshit of course you care yeah it's it's nice to like feel good yeah and like last week I had the first workouts where I, I did feel good and it to me my, the biggest reason I love to work out is I love to feel strong I love the feeling of being strong um, of feeling agile and like just athletic. Like I love how my body feels when I, when I'm like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just doing the workouts that make me feel good and eating in excess. Like I did a day of eating on Instagram last week. I don't know if you saw that. I missed uh, I wanted it. To I show mean, you have it in your stories. I actually, I highlighted it cause somebody asked me to. So if you want to check it out, look. it's in my highlight. I did a day, a day of eating. Um, and mostly I wanted to show people how much I eat and how I balance, balanced I eat. I eat carbs every meal. I eat all three macronutrients. I, you know, I eat protein, carbs, fat every meal. I eat snacks. I eat dessert every day. So like I said, I, I would much rather overeat than undereat. And when I say both of those words have really negative connotations, but when I say that, I just mean like there's this, there's this calorie number, right? Where you would be at maintenance. If you were to do all the calculations where like that's your calorie or maintenance to maintain your muscle and your weight, there's a number of calories that your body, uh, you should eat. Now it's almost impossible to hit that number. Um, so you're always going to be either a little above it or a little below it. I would rather be over it than under it. One, obviously it's going to help me produce breast milk. And two, even if I wasn't breastfeeding, um, for me, it helps me, um, I think I believe that's why I have muscles and I have abs because I'm feeding them. Correct. <laughs> you know, the- well, and it makes you feel energized when you're eating properly. You you're awake, you're with it, but when you're not, you're just you know slum and you're tired and drowsy and it's yeah, not good. that too, that too. And I think that's a big part of um, potential like burnout and adrenal fatigue too. Is just when you're under hundred <laughs> percent. So. What's next? I know you have um, you have the Odyssey that you could tell us a little bit about that you offer through Epic. Um, you have the seven, or is it? I'm gonna mix up my numbers. I know it's a tongue twister. Seven <laughs> days, six pack jumpstart. Yes. Um, yeah. So let me just back up and let everyone know what Epic is. So Epic Interval Training is a, a company. A fitness company that my husband actually founded before he knew me so he invented it I just improved it that's what I like to say <laughs> and he's kind of handed it off to me a little bit to be honest especially in the last few months since quarantine because he's kind of had to uh, start a new career because all our businesses um, have closed he uh, owns a bar in New York City so that's our biggest uh, kind of loss in this whole thing so 
Epic Interval Training is a licensed fitness concept. So you can buy an Epic license just like you could buy a CrossFit license. So you can open your own Epic facility or you can get a license for $3,000 a year and run Epic classes within a CrossFit in your garage, wherever. So we actually used to be a franchise. We switched to a license because it allows people more freedom, less barrier of entry, and less money for people, to be honest. So uh, ultimately, so we can grow more with less barrier of entry. So I, like you said, am programming. There's, for- a, there's a, how many epics are there? There's a lot of them or there's a handful. Well, there's like 10, there's like 10 ish. Okay. So there's a lot. Yeah. It's around grown. The What's that? It's grown quite a bit. Yeah. It's it only been a few uh, years. So it's 2012 epic started is when he founded it. So Right now, what I'm doing, we had a we had a brick and mortar in Miami that closed due to COVID, and we've since moved to the west coast of Florida. And I have just actually I wanted to do this interview in my garage gym because it's so cool looking, but it's just too hot out there. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have a little garage epic where I'm going to be now focusing on. It's it's kind of of course I love epic and being in a community and in a gym, but not being near brick and mortar will actually give me the opportunity to focus on the bigger picture, grow the company, support the licensees, build content, build online programs. Um, so that is kind of what I'm doing um, during the day here at home in my garage. And like you mentioned, I have several things available online. The Epic Odyssey is an amazing um workout program i guess i would call it it's 30 days of only body weight 60 days you add a kettlebell 90 days you add a suspension trainer and then there's ongoing programming from there but it's um every day there's a lesson an assignment and a 16 minute workout so it's only 16 minutes a day but every single day it's you're going to get like a two minute lesson so it's honestly super education based like you are going to learn on the first day the difference between a squat and a hinge the next day, you're going to learn how to perfect the plank and the push-up. There's like a lesson associated with, with each one. So and that's it's so important because, yeah. I mean, also coming from fitness, it's like you see people doing uh, wall balls and they're like, oh, my hamstrings are on fire. And I'm like, okay, well, stop hinging. Like you should be squatting. And yeah. so, and I think something else that you touch on that I really, really appreciate. And it's not, it's just, this is something you touch on in your life. Um is how important programming is. So this will give that structure because a lot of times with social media and how readily available everything is, YouTube, whatever your media or your social platform is, people just take these workouts and they don't realize they need a balance and they need programming and this is something that you'll provide them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the seven day six pack jumpstart you mentioned, that essentially is, is like my lowest barrier of entry and that it's seven bucks in in it it does what the odyssey does in a mini way and only focus on the core so every single day you're going to get a lesson on and explain um, a super important core movement and how to do it correctly and why that's so important to the core and it'll give you a workout for that day so that does that for seven days now those are like my workout related things oh i also because my gym in miami closed i've have been ever since we closed the gym been teaching them on zoom i still do that and now obviously since it's remote anybody is welcome to join my zoom gym membership i teach every day there's links to all this stuff in the link tree in my my bio my instagram and your instagram is at epic cassidy 
Spell it. E-P-I-C-C-A-S-S-I-D-Y. Go find her because she has some great content. And you can see her baby, Jaxby. You can yes. see the one we've been talking about this whole time. So cute. Um, and anyway, so those are my kind of for like the worker outers. But honestly, my passion in fitness has um, become more for like coaching coaches. So I do have the Epic Coaches certification available online that teaches exactly the entire fitness philosophy at Epic, how we program, and then also obviously how to coach. Um, and my content is going more towards coaching coaches in general. Um, for example, I'm starting monthly, I might even do bi-monthly workshops. Um, one this Saturday, as we mentioned, but I'll, I'll post, um, I'll be posting when they're coming, obviously, but they're gonna be focused toward two hour workshops on Zoom on a Saturday where you can learn like how, for example, this weekend is how to strength train with interval training. Uh, the next one I want to do is um, movement cueing and coaching. So important. Um, <clears throat> teaching kettlebells. So obviously someone who wants to learn kettlebells could take it, but it's for coaches and how to coach them, right? How to coach learning uh, kettlebells. So stuff like that. They're going to mostly be geared toward coaching coaches, which is kind of where my passion lies. And now it's so much more important to know how to cue properly because we're remote, right? So you can't actually be there and touch and fix them. So it's a, it's a real thing because I mean, I'm in New York city and being in the fitness industry, I have taken some terrible classes where coaches, they look the part, they don't know what they're talking about and they can, you know, kind of come fix you. And I see them, you know, touching people to try to make it look right but it's like if you don't have the verbal cues yeah especially yeah, now so this is awesome yeah coaching on zoom is definitely probably making people better coaches automatically or getting the bad ones out of there right True. <laughs> um but i think that's pretty much all for me as far as like what i'm what i'm doing right now and what i have available obviously i mean so all these links are in my link tree but epicintervaltraining.com if you want anything epic related if you're interested in opening an epic interval training or looking into licensing um, you can find that on the website I inquire about that on the website or just email me directly at cassidy at epicintervaltraining.com beautiful yes it was hard it's it, I feel a little bit guilty getting that for like a minute but it's really been amazing having I drop her off I mean it I can bring her for a short or as long as I want which is great and it's allowed me like I last week was her first full week I got more done in you know the four to six hours that I left her than I have gotten like ever done in my life probably because <laughs> I'm like anyway I'm just so efficient and I'm, I'm excited about what I'm building with epic now so I think it's really good for me mentally to kind of like have my own little, uh, life and produce produce money for us right now especially Definitely. well you're you know an independent woman a mother and you're an entrepreneur so it's yeah. you know all these things that women could only wish for and aspire to be so i'm sure that you are inspiring and empowering women i appreciate that i i do get the, the guilt sometimes i'm like you know, I'm working from home. Do I really need it? She could just be here. Like she's not getting good naps. I feel bad, but um, ultimately, I think that it's it's good for both of us. If I'm healthier mentally, and and you she's know, I, interacting with other little babies, like I think the sooner that you kind of introduce them to that type of stuff, the better. 
It's true. And she, she doesn't have separation anxiety yet. So it's not like I dropped her off the first day and she's crying. She just doesn't even know. So that's also helpful. <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I hope to have you again soon. And yeah. um, stay well, be well, and uh, have a good one. Thank you. You too.